Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. I'm Troy Harmon, and I'm here with Jarrett McKenzie and Clay Norman and uh, Kelly Lynn Scalise. And we've been talking about uh, all kind of fun stuff in the Mm. economy. Weird week on Wall Street. Uh, You know, there's a lot of information to digest. A lot to pay attention to right now. Uh, Kelly Lynn. Yes. You have got... A case study for us, have you not? Or just a situation? A, just, gonna, I do. What, what are we calling? I, I call them case studies. I'm old okay. school, but right. you know, I'd rather go to go to the, the uh, situation. Yeah, the, yeah. The sitch. Yeah. The sitch. Yeah. Okay. That's what, well, that's what we're gonna call we, it. it. Honestly, this is another weird one because I mean, good luck with this. Like, um, we've got Jeremy and Susan this week. They are mid to late sixties. Um, concerned about their advisors about face with their fixed income portfolio. They had high-yield bond funds yielding 6%, and their advisor recently sold them and bought U.S. Treasuries at 3%. Mm. They're very confused by this move. They know their fixed income is intended to provide spending for the next several years. And while their spending for the next three years is secure, they're kind of worried about that that ten, eight, ten, you know, mm-hmm. years getting down the road there, right. um, especially after giving up six percent. I mean, inflation is near what? I mean, it's over nine. Nine one. Yeah. Yeah. So what gives? Like, why? Why would I got to imagine that like fixed income right now is causing a lot of panic and investors. Well, here's the thing. Even if you buy the absolute worst junk. Yes. You can't hardly beat that 9.1% inflation. Nothing so, nothing can, right? Right. Now. So, you know, the the thing that we've always tried to do is uh, get a client a yield that mm-hmm. would be at least sufficient to beat inflation or match the market with inflation so that you protect their purchasing power, mm-hmm. you know, so their money doesn't deteriorate faster than the return that they make. And th- and that's literally uh, quite often the, the benchmark that I talk about. When you're investing in stocks, you should have a return that's higher than inflation, so you're growing your wealth. But we know that that's volatile, so you kind of hide out with money that you know you've got earmarked for spending over the next 10 years in the fixed income market. Uh, issue is, you know, they, they were dealing with uh, bond funds. Mm-hmm. Um, bond funds made perfect sense. It sounds very similar to, to some of the stuff that we've done lately. Bond funds made perfect sense when you could get uh, 1.5% in a 10-year treasury, but you could use, uh, use a few. Uh, you probably had, had gone out a little bit, reached for uh, lower quality, a uh, little more risk in your fixed income portfolio so that you could beat that 1.5%. But the thing of it is, when treasuries, the 10-year was at 1.5%, so was inflation. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's becoming quite the dilemma because for the longest time now, I mean, how long has it been? It's probably been the better part of the last decade. Right. Interest rates have been so low. People knew they weren't getting a very good yield or return on, yeah. on their fixed income, but that wasn't a problem because inflation, like you said, right. was so low. But Your purchasing power was still protected. Right, yeah. And so now that's that's really where a lot of questions are coming from and what the dilemma ultimately you know, is for us is to figure out how can we optimize that yield and that return for that 10-year rule money because, sure. as we know, 
that money we recommended being in you know or outside of stocks and equities mm-hmm. uh, so that it has less volatility more protection and we'll be there when you need it that's sure. the primary goal it's not how can I offset inflation with this money right. if, if I was really trying to do that I wouldn't be putting it in fixed income exactly but you, you always tell clients we're looking for the most optimal or attractive yield we can find at any given point in the market that we're looking to buy one for you because that's the best you can do right right I mean, you're, you're putting it there you're getting the best you can at the time of when you're buying uh, but it's, it's really being set aside to cover for your liquidity needs. And, and you use the other bucket, that money beyond the 10-year rule, to try and help offset what you're not getting in fixed income or uh, you know what, what you're spending down in principal. That's, that's really what that other bucket's for, right? It's sure. to try to replenish what you're not getting or spending with this other one. Right. And, it's just it's becoming very difficult to because uh, we're I tell clients all the time jokingly hey if you know where to put it because that's what they say should we take stocks off the table should we move it somewhere I said well tell me where you want to put it because yeah. <laughs> if you need it for liquidity yeah we should certainly do that but sure. some people want to do it you know just liquidate some of their their equity holdings because of the the nervousness you know and say well we can do that but. I think the better question is, where, where are you going to put it? Right. Because there's not very many asset classes out there right now that are going to give you even an opportunity to offset this level of inflation. Right. And the thing is, you know, you, you mentioned inflation in, uh, in context with uh, equities. And the fact is, the inflation that we're seeing in the market right now will ultimately become uh, a benefit to the revenues of individual companies, and it'll make it to the bottom line. It doesn't do it immediately, but over the long term, uh, the, one of the best hedges against inflation is the stock market. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, kind of getting back to the conversation we were having about, you know, the the uh, case at hand, you've got uh, Jeremy and Susan's advisor who just put them in individual bonds making 3%. What I'd ask you, first of all, what is the Fed's long-term inflation target? 2%, right? Mm -hmm. So if you lock that in, 3%, you've beaten the long-term inflation rate. Now we just have to sit by and watch what happens. Uh, the Fed is, is uh, seems like they're finally convinced that inflation is real and they're going to fight against it. Uh, we are seeing signs that, uh, you know, high prices are coming down, uh, seeing quite a few in, in energy, which has been the biggest driver of inflation lately. Um, you know, over the last month, since about June 6th, we saw a, a peak in uh uh, at least energy futures prices, uh, and they're they're coming back to us. Um, so I would think over the long term we do get back within you know a, a few uh, points that two percent longer term inflation target. If you're going to hold uh, three, uh, one, two, and three year treasuries, you can actually get about three percent. The yield curve is the weirdest shape I've ever seen it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's almost up a straight wall to about the the uh, two year, and the one and the two year aren't very far away from each other. And then it's flat across the bottom <laughs> until you look at the ten year, which is below the two year, as I've already mentioned earlier in the show. So, uh, really strange shape. Uh, you buy that three percent. Uh, what is it next year? It's still going to be 3% if you hold it, right? Mm-hmm, and now it's slipped down the curve. It's a one-year bond. Mm-hmm. And one-year bonds are selling at what? Le- right around 2%. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're again, you're, you've locked in something that could beat for a good while. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense from that point of view. Uh, when you hold a bond fund, though, you've got an active manager that you've hired, basically. And that uh, active manager can adjust things. He can, he can dabble with the quality, you know, if times are such that you can't get, um, you can't get much yield. 
They can mess with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that they do more often than not, and they have to keep this within a range, but uh, they'll also mess with the duration. Now, duration is basically sensitivity to interest rate, market interest rate changes. Uh, You know, in theory, a a bond with a five, uh, a duration of five, and it's basically measured in years. So it's a five-year duration. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have an immediate and unexpected 1% increase in the overall market, where the the uh, maturities of these bonds trade, uh, you're going to see a five percent decline. Mm-hmm. So increase in in the yield of one percent, you see a five percent decline. We want to keep those durations very short right now, right? Right now, yeah, because yeah. we've got a, a million signals. Even though it might just be 0.75 instead of one percent, as we were talking earlier, uh, the the basic direction, the trend is going to be higher in yields in the bond market. So, um, you know, an active manager can deal with all that. If you hold individual bonds, it's unless you're going to be really actively trading them, and that's not likely and not really what we recommend, especially for 10-year rule money, mm-hmm. uh, we, we recommend a buy and hold strategy. Um, you're going to have to trade fixed income a lot more often than you know than right. you would really be uh, benefit from doing. Uh, well, you're, you're timing the market. You're doing all kind of things that are not the best. So we're talking about ten-year rule money, and and this is obviously what we do in terms of the ten-year rule money. But right. for these people who, as I mentioned, are you know getting more and more nervous as things continue to deteriorate and want to take money out of equities, not for liquidity, but they just want something that's safer. Let's say locking in some of these sure. energy profits. Where do you put it? You can't. I don't think you want to put it in real estate. Yeah, the, the fixed income is not exactly attractive enough for that to be a good alternative. Yeah, you know, commodities and and especially cryptocurrency and all that. I mean, that's just going to present as much danger as the the equities, which is why I've kind of struggled to you know, like. Hey, that's why we're focusing on the most healthy companies we can find. Sure, you always. Know, yeah, they're going to pay you a nice income regardless of what the stock may be doing at any point in time. Yeah. But they also are going to be able to navigate whatever is ahead of us. I don't care what we're getting into at this point in time. Apple sitting with a hundred billion dollars of cash on their balance sheet, they're going to end up just fine. In fact, they'll probably be better off because they're going to take market share from some smaller competitors that may go out of business. Yeah, they'll use it to invest. Oh, yeah. yeah so they'll, they'll find deals, which is what we're recommending, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you continue to dollar cost average, but when, when uh, I mean, how does Warren Buffett won for so many years? He's the last man standing with a fistful of cash. Yeah. When the market sells off, I mean, let's face it, in 2008, and, and they still say this, mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs will tell you they never had to take a government bailout. You know who bailed him out? Oh, Buffett. Uncle Warren, yep. not Uncle Sam. That's exactly who. And and it, what was it, like $3 billion he gave him? And he made a pile of money oh, yeah. on his investment in Goldman Sachs within just a two- or three-year span. Yeah, we've been talking about fixed income. And Kelly Lynn. Yes. You have, I, stu- I do have questions. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's now, hear I know, I know from previous case studies that y'all use 4.6% inflation in your projections. That's right. So now are clients feeling 9.1% inflation or are they feeling another maybe 4.5% percent Well, they're certainly inflation? asking questions about it because I think everybody's got that concern. I mean, everybody's you. feeling it. I yeah. mean, yeah. you go to the store, you buy something, you feel it. You go to the gas station, you feel it. But right. Are clients suffering to the point? Not yet. I don't think it's persistent. I don't even want to say suffering, but yeah. like... Well, you're right. I mean, eventually that's what the concern with most retirees is, right? I mean, if, if this were to become an extended uh, downturn or, or recessionary, hyperinflationary period, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it ends up being, then there is going to be more concern. But again, I don't think it's persisted long enough now for there to be any real concern. I mean, yeah, there's questions about it, but 
uh, as I mentioned before, I've, I've told a couple of clients, well, look, last year, the, the 25 percent or so that you made has already helped you to offset some of what you, you're not getting or some of the inflation and increased cost that you're seeing this year. Yeah, because so, the the expectation is for about 10 and a half to 11 percent mm-hmm. return on your equity investments. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, you're there are there are years you're going to outpace that. There are years you're going to underdo that. So uh, the thing is, Kelly Lynn, yes, if you think about where we are now, nine point one percent. Prior years, we were at about 1.5. It's just recent in the last six months that we've seen inflation kick up like this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you think about it, you're going to be retired for a long time, not for a year. True. So you have planned for your returns um, to to be uh, your returns in fixed income, most specifically since this is for your, your spending to be, you know, whatever they might be. Longer term, we, we were getting 5%. Back in 2006 and seven, it was easy to find 5% in a very high quality uh, fixed income investment. Mm-hmm. Lately, not so much. But if you think about what I said earlier, the actual benchmark is inflation. So we planned for 4.6. We also planned for 5% return on your fixed income. What happens if inflation is only 1.5%, but oh, no, I can only make 1.5% in my fixed income. Guess what? I'm okay. Yeah. So what you have to do, the, the thing that's more more uh, disconcerting at the moment is the fact that you can only get still five or six, and that's if you really stretch your your quality, which we do not recommend. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you take uh, bigger risks in your fixed income portfolio, you're still not going to be able to achieve that 9.1%. But the Fed is fighting against it, and you expect that, you know, over time, who knows how much time, maybe 12 months, maybe less, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more. Um, but you're going to get back to that 2% target or thereabouts. You're going to get in that range mm-hmm. that the Fed has for inflation. My point again was, you know, you know, with our case study we just talked about, you had, uh, you just went from a bond fund that's got lots of uncertainty. We don't know what the cash flows are going to be in retirement. From a planning point of view, it's much easier to use an individual bond because you know what the cash flows are going to be unless the issuer defaults. When you're talking about a treasury, if the issuer defaults, nothing you got is going to be worth much. <laughs> you're a whole different so set of we, have, we have exactly. a whole new problem. So, <laughs> so, you know, if you think about it from this point of view, it's mm-hmm. a long-term aspect. Think of this. 9.1 plus the inflation prior is 1.5. Add the two together and divide them by two. Mm, okay. You get a That's whole lot closer. lot closer to the 4.6. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 5.1, but think about think about what you just did there. And yeah. 1.5% inflation was over multiple years, so it's actually going to have a heavier weight than just dividing it by mm. two. So the panic is because everybody's looking at this 9.1, assuming this yes. is the new normal. And it's not the new normal. This is abnormal. The Fed would not raise interest rates if it were just okay. normal. Uh, you know, we're, we're heading back to something much lower as far as inflation is concerned. And uh, over time, I think they're going to be fine. Use the averages. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, last that's year. What, that's market, what we're really talking about here. It right. always goes back to that. It's like returns. They always revert yeah. to the mean, right? Uh, let's, I mean. let's think of this, too. 1925, you go back that far, uh, average annualized return on a 10-year rolling period is 10.5%. Yeah. 1925, I said, right? Yeah. Great Depression, 19. 19- 29 mm-hmm. so this number includes that mm-hmm. we've got 
Great Depression, you've got World War II, you've got uh, Cuban Missile Crisis in 62, we had Vietnam War, uh, Korean War, I mean, uh, we had a president impeached, I mean, like for real and removed, we're talking to oh, Nixon yeah. now, oh, yeah. not something more recent, if there is one, I don't know, right. was there? Uh, but anyway, there, what I'm saying is there's a lot of risks mm-hmm. to that return, and on a year-by-year basis, we don't get anywhere close to that average on on a regular year. Right. But over long periods of time, you might have a loss of seven or eight or shoot, uh, you know, 2008, we lost uh, a lot, uh, 37%, I think, uh, in, in one year alone. But in the end, it's still 10.5%. Mm-hmm. When you have a long time horizon, the average matters, and and that's exactly mm-hmm. you know the best answer I can give you. Four point six still seems pretty conservative to me. Um, you know, you, you if you go back and look at a thirty year span, uh, about as big as I've ever seen it on the average is about four point two percent. Believe mm. it or not. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's human to worry. Yeah. But yeah. when you use the math and, and uh, look at the history of markets and returns and inflation and all of this, everything we're doing makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So, Kelly Lynn. Yes, sir. We probably need to do something else for a minute. We will come back to that. We also have a question on uh, a Roth IRA for child. So, we will be back. You're listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.